You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Kings chapter number 7 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria? Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, uh, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Verse number five, and they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the outermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried thence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. You may be seated. I'm going to ask our four volunteers to come right up here. It's more voluntold than anything. Come on up. I'm going to have us illustrate what has just been read. Thank you so much for your willingness to help. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor, for the invitation to be here again this year. Uh, this is, it's always a good day when we see Victory Baptist Church of Roanoke Rapids on our itinerary. It's circled, it's highlighted, it's underlined. We, we look forward to being here. We're treated royally. Our kids love it. They get excited about it. And uh, it's because they know that this is a place that they're loved and this is a place that uh, loves the Lord. Uh, we just read a very interesting portion of Scripture in a very interesting place. Uh, this is where the kingdom, the northern kingdom of Samaria, the city is under siege. And it feels like uh, it's ripped off the headlines today. And uh, it's very interesting. But I wanted to start by uh, really setting the tone of this particular passage of Scripture we see emphasized 
in this narrative, we see four lepers. Now, y'all aren't going to be lepers. You don't have to imitate lepers or hop around on one leg. You don't have to do anything like that. But um, tell you what, I'm going to make you something else. I'm going to make all four of you firemen. Let's, uh, can, can we mentally ascend to them being firemen? Okay, all right, you're going to all be firemen. And that means uh, that your job is to go in and your job is to answer those emergency calls and to do whatever we need to do to put out those fires. Now, I'm going to assign you some roles, okay? Ready? You are going to be the truck driver. Should we trust him with that? Oh, all right. Typically, you have to be 25 years old. Are you there yet? That's okay. But I'm going to give you the wheel. Oh, no. All right, you're going to be the truck driver. All right. I'm going to assign you a role. Okay. You are in charge of the ladder. If anything has to do with the ladder, that's your job. Hey, what's your role? All right, what's your role? Oh, wait, ladder. Okay, he said that enthusiastically. You probably wanted something else. You, you are in charge of the hose, okay? Uh, when it comes to rolling it back in and reeling it out, that is your role. So what's your role? Okay, there you go. He knows. Okay, you are in charge of all the firemen's clothing, okay? That's your role. What's your, what's your role? That's right. Okay, all the flame retardant clothes. All right, let's see if we, they remember. All right. What is your job? What is your job? All right. What is your job? Okay. What is your job? All right. Okay. You have pretty good memories. Hey, everybody. What is their job? To fight fires. Their job is to put out Fires. Each of them have their own roles, their own strengths, their own responsibilities. But their number one job is this, to put out fires. Well, you and I have a number one job, and that job is to get the good news to people that need to hear it. Thank you so much. Let's give our firemen a big round of applause. Thank you so much. My attention was arrested when I read chapter 7 of 2 Kings. It was as timely as a news headline could be. And uh, I would hope that we would latch on to this verse today, and if we had one thought, it would be this. 2 Kings uh, chapter 7, and look with me in verse, here it is, verse Verse 9, then they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. We hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. And now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. I want to submit to you that today is a day of good tidings. And if I could give you a title of the sermon, it would be just that. Today is a day of good tidings. And I hope that today our church, this church, would find not just something to do, but the thing to do. The one thing that this church is called to do. And it would be to get the good news out. 
It was 1829, and a man died having never set foot on American soil, but he had four boxes of gold sovereigns. And all those gold sovereigns were to be used, to be sent to America to establish something that would increase knowledge. That was his will. The powers that be received this endowment, and they thought, what could they do that could increase knowledge? Could they establish a college? Could they give it to the sciences? Well, they established a museum. The man who died was named Smithson. And in 1848, the Smithsonian Institute was established. 19 different institutions and galleries. And beyond that, there's a national zoo, all part of the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian Magazine published their uh, 101 things that were the most significant things ever placed into the Smithsonian Institute. That's 101 things out of 137 million historic significant pieces. And it fascinated me that the Smithsonian Institute could narrow down 101 significant things. One of them was the compass used by Lewis Merriweather to discover the Pacific. Another was the top hat worn by Abraham Lincoln. And one of them was a set of chairs and tables used in Appomattox, Virginia when General Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant. That's a matter of history. It might be too soon to mention that. Okay. So I asked if the Smithsonian Museum out of 137 million pieces could come up with 101 things that were the most significant things ever in the Smithsonian Institute in the United States, what was the most significant thing that you and I have in this country? What's the most valuable thing we possess? And I submit to you, without doubt or question or long thought, it is the gospel. Heaven and earth will pass away. God's word will never pass away. The Smithsonian and all of its galleries will be burned to the ground. But the eternal work, the Whosoever will work of the gospel will abide forever. We live in a day of bad news. The TV was on at lunch and we saw more bad news today. And we could go on and be a bearer of bad news. And all we do is get everybody down in the dumps and everybody on the same page. But the God hasn't given us the job of giving everybody the bad news. It is not a spiritual gift to only identify what is wrong. I learned that after 12 years working at the same church. It's very easy to identify what's wrong. It's the harder thing to identify what to do and what's right to make those decisions. I don't envy your pastor who is in charge of the hundreds here who ultimately has to have the accountability for making decisions. And that's why they pay him the big bucks, right? Well, that's what it comes down to. We are not just to identify the bad news. Aren't you glad we don't serve the I am not, but the great I am? Or the great I can't, but the great I am? So I have three thoughts very briefly. Number one, don't be overtaken in the siege. You understand what's going on in 2 Kings chapter 7. It's framed for us by the sixth chapter. It's the siege of Samaria, the capital of northern Israel. And the siege is carried out by what group? 
the Syrians. They came down from the north. Jerusalem is the capital of the southern kingdom, and the Syrians' intent was to siege the city, the walled city, and starve out all of the inhabitants of that city. Siege warfare is about as cruel as mankind can be to mankind. It is horrific. Talk about bad news. This isn't as bad as it's been when we see our current headlines. It's gotten worse. This story in chapter 7, it goes from bad to worse. And if you were to read chapter 6, you'd see it gets as bad as the scripture could possibly describe. I'm glad that this is a book not written by men, but written by God. It doesn't hold back the details of how bad people can be without God guiding their actions. What happens in a siege? Resources are cut off. Water is cut off. Vital resources are cut off. And the invading army has enough resources in their tents and in their camp to wait out the winter and to invade when everyone is sick and dying. And this siege gets very, very bad. You see it in chapter 6 when they sell they give away a fortune just to buy a donkey's head and a calf's dung or a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. That's bad. And it goes on in one of the most horrific descriptions I've ever read in Scripture. You can read it on your own time. But anything mentioned like this, like cannibalism or Nazism or slavery or this, the caste system in in India, just shows that man against man can be extremely cruel. It was horrible. It was bad news that turned to worse news. Everybody understands that there is bad news and there are people that make a living just giving bad news. Prognosticators, journalists, talking heads, all making a living off of bad news. But I'm saying to you, faith family, Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, don't be overtaken in the siege. We know that the siege is on. If you're trying to win a culture war, you're fighting the wrong battle. My battle is not against the Republicans or the Democrats or the IRS or my mother-in-law. My battle is a spiritual battle. And I will lose against that roaring lion who's walking about seeking whom he may destroy and devour Unless I win the spiritual fight every single day. And I'm saying that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this, in this world. Don't be overtaken by the siege. I've heard I'm 40 years old. I just turned 40 this summer. Y'all pray for me. Some say, what happens when you turn 40? And my kid said, do you die? No, no you don't die. It's not as bad as you think. Now, I turned 40 this year, and it seems like there's a, I've heard an older generation tell the younger generation, well, I just don't see how you can raise a godly family in 2023. I'm saying, here we are doing it. And here you are with the same power of the gospel available to you, and you can raise a godly family today. You don't have to be overtaken by the culture. You don't have to be overtaken by a siege. The siege is on. But we have the one who's going to win the fight. The Bible says that we're to take the good news of the gospel to every creature. 
Who's going to give the good news? Who's going to take these good, glad tidings? Will you say that today is my day to take the gospel to those that need to hear it? We hear the bad news and we hear the bad news and then that sets the way for the good news. If all we tell is the bad news, we are only telling the hopeless part of the story. We know at the end of the story, God turned all of this around. As bad as it got, God gave deliverance. All of those Syrians came to Samaria with their bags packed for winter, and that just turned in to a wonderful spoil. God turned the whole situation around. A bad day became a day of good tidings. The devil is waging a war against our church, against our family, against God's people, but that's not new news. He's been doing it for centuries. But we have the most powerful weapon in the world. We have the gospel. It's still the power of God unto salvation. It still changes a drunkard into somebody that provides for their family. It still changes a religious man bound in their religion, hoping to get any sort of justification by the good things that they've done. And it makes them a saint, a humble servant of God. Number one, don't be overtaken in the siege. Number two... I thought of this as I read this. Train your pallbearers. Train your pallbearers. I'll explain that. Train those that will come after you. You are called as a believer to make disciples. Every discipler must have a disciple, and every disciple of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, must have somebody discipling them. And here's the reality of this story all of us are going to die. Well, that's one of our chief motivating factors. Yes, the Lord's soon return, but it's an astounding statistic, an amazing one of one. Everybody has died outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Enoch and Elijah. There were four leprous men. Look at verse 3 and 4, please. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? I love this dialogue. If we stay... We will enter into the city, and then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit still here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And I love the humor that is in this expression. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Yes, that's what happens when you're killed. You die. Yes, we understand. What are they saying? Somebody's got to do something. When you get your leash yanked around by every headline that comes across your social media feed, you might say that same thing. Somebody's got to do something. Well, that somebody is you. We have this truth in earthen vessels right here. You're going through the same things that the world is going through, but you get to do it with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that you're training people. I ask everybody in church, in any church work, who knows what you know? If you go out of town next week, or if you take one of those things called a vacation, none of these staff know what I'm talking about yet. If you go out of town, will somebody be able to take up where you have left off? If you have a long-term illness, will there be somebody that comes alongside and can do what you've trained them to do? If the Lord takes you home, 
Will you be able to replace yourself, the disciples? I would call the people that you're training right now your pallbearers, the ones who have been fed and changed because you've fed them the word of God. These are the ones that you've led to the Lord. These are the ones that you're discipling now. And God's plan for the gospel is always teaching and training the next generation for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us are sitting and soaking, but you need to go and tell, but you also need to come and see what the Lord is doing. You need to bring other people along with you. Some of you tonight need to make a commitment that you're going to train the next generation instead of feeling sorry for those that are raising their children in this time. Let's train the next generation. We need what you have. Life is all about influence, and we need to influence people for God and for good and for the gospel. You could spend your life wondering what Russia is going to do with Ukraine. You could spend your life wondering if the government is as corrupt as you think it is. You could get lost in all the things that are earthbound and temporary. God's people are not to be overtaken by the siege. God's people are to train their pallbearers. We are dying men preaching to dying men, and we need to get the gospel out while we can. Don't be overtaken by the siege. Don't, uh, please train your tr- pallbearers. But number three, move forward in the light that God has given you. I, I was arrested by another word here. There's a word of when they saw that the camp was empty. It was in the twilight. I'm not sure what time the twilight is. I'm not sure what time of day that is. I'm not sure how bright the sun is or whether you could see the sun or not. I'm not sure what that time is, the twilight. It's not dark. It's not all the way light. But there's just enough light to see what's there. You have enough light to see what's going on. You, you, may not, you may not be able to do everything that others are able to do, but you have enough light to take the gospel to the ones that need to hear it one more time. And tonight, you have more light than you've had before. And that's what happens every time the word of God is open. Education equals responsibility. And more truth that you hear equals more responsibility. God has given you an opportunity. These four leprous men, if they'd have stayed right there, wouldn't have been able to accomplish anything great. But they said, look, we could sit here and die, go into the city and die, get captured by the Syrians, and if they kill us, we'll die. But we've got to do something. Let's move forward, and we're going to go forward in the light that we have. Let's fall upon our invading enemy. And look at verse 5, and they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Assyrians. Now there's enough light reflected from the starry planets and other heavenly bodies, enough light to find out a little bit of your way. There are three sources of light that we have on this planet. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The Bible is the light Because it says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then he points to you and says, ye are the light of the world. We are to shine as lights. We are stars. We are kings and priests to God. We are to shine our light in this dark and dying world. Well, Brother Johnson, I can't can't preach like Brother Coburn had. I, I couldn't pastor a church. Well, what light do you have? 
What light have you been given? Do you own a Bible? Do you have a verse? How many of you are Christians? You're a believer. You'd say, I, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, enough gospel and enough faith that you've given Jesus Christ is enough faith that you need to launch forward in. Maybe you need to befriend somebody else here at this church and pass on what you've been given. Maybe you need to stand at this door and welcome people in. Maybe you need to join this choir or start a class or do something faithful with what you have been given. Because faith without works is dead. Move forward. Keep going. Exercise your faith. The church needs to move forward today. And you need to move forward today. You can't enter into church and say, I am what I always was. You are accountable for what you have heard. There's a mobilization of God's people moving forward, and I want to be in that number. The people who were seated have to get up and do something. These are Christians that know that the siege is on, that know that their life is short, that know that they have been given this glorious gift of the gospel, and they want to use every ounce of their strength to give it out. We are people living on the edge of death. We are already dying. And by the way, you are losing your life anyway. You might as well lose your life for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus Christ. Don't waste your life with anything this world has. Lose your life for Christ. Move forward in the light that you've been given. And when you move forward, God meets with you there. As... Uh, we move forward, God meets us and empowers us and gives us the words to say and the things to do. So, step out by faith. This is a day of good tidings. Why? We have good news. We have the gospel. And we must get it out. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. No one's looking around. As you hear that first note of the invitation song, I wonder if you will, like me, understand that there's a deep spiritual burden that you have to do what the Lord wants you to do. Do God's will now because you may not have another opportunity to do it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.